0: Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. I would say that Jesus did need to pray. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Why did Jesus pray? Well, the first reason why Jesus prayed is Jesus prayed to be an example. Jesus prayed to be an example. He came to set the example, right? Jesus was the standard setter. Right? Are you with me? Uh, He was also the standard meter, by the way. He met the standard. Uh, Jesus, uh, and and we continue to learn, right, from the example of Jesus when he prayed. He showed what a healthy prayer life looks like. And then the other thing about Jesus is he, he taught us how to pray. Right? He gave a whole new meaning to the word prayer where, where people before Jesus ever showed up, they had to go to a priest or they had to go and do all these religious uh, jargon and have all these right words and have all these like, systems in place just so they could pray. And Jesus said, no, 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 you just go and pray. And this is how you pray, right? So Jesus taught us how to pray. He was the example, and then he showed us how to do it. Everybody say, to be an example, the second reason why Jesus prayed was to yield to the Father's will. Yield to the Father's will. Jesus, just like you and just like me, had to deny his human nature. Are you guys with me? Jesus had to deny the weakness of being a human. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into a little bit of doctrine this morning. You all okay with that? I know some of y'all are Bible school students, so you're good with that. Um, listen, Jesus had to yield his will to fulfill the Father's will, just like we do. Jesus, even Jesus, being fully God and fully man, he had to lay down that humanity to do what God wanted him to do. Or else there wouldn't have been no temptation in the desert. Or else there wouldn't have been no, please, Father, let this cup pass. I don't really want to do this, but I'll do it because it's your will. Jesus had to fulfill the Father's will. And if we're going to fulfill the Father's will, then we also, too, will have to get into a place of prayer and lay down our natural tendencies. Come on, our natural bents. Right? Well, that's just the way I am. Well, Jesus could have said that, and we would all still be going to hell. But he said, this is my human nature. I'm wanting to give up. I'm wanting to stop. It's tempting. It's hard, Lord. Please let this cup pass. So we have this doctrine that we believe in Christianity. This is classical Christianity. We believe this doctrine called the incarnation. And what the incarnation speaks of is that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father were all God all the time. Okay? This is foundational. Always. Jesus, before he was born on the earth, Jesus was Jesus. He was eternal. You can read about this in Colossians. That before time began, Jesus was there. Jesus was there in creation. Now, there's some cults in the world that said that Jesus didn't exist until he was born of a virgin Mary. But that's not true. Jesus existed before that. But the incarnation is when Jesus took on skin. He took on humanity. He clothed himself with humanity to show that humanity could follow God, so that humanity could be with God. And, uh, you know, there's a little, in, inside your, your app, we've put a, in the notes section, there's a little infograph about the Trinity, and we've done some teaching on that before, and we're not going to get into that today. But um, I will say this about the Trinity, Jesus is not the Father. Jesus is not the Holy Spirit, but Jesus is God, the Father is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. So I know that's, that's confusing for some of you. It took me about probably 15 years before I could really kind of get a grasp on it. But understand that our God has three persons in it. One God, three persons. Okay, not, not one person, three different expressions. And that, that's a mistake that many people make. Anyway, there's an infograph in your app that can help you guys with that. We're not really talking about the Trinity uh, today, but I, I do see where it could fit in. So Jesus is... Fully God, one hundred percent God, and fully one hundred percent man. So he was always God, and then he was born on the earth, and he took on a human nature. Now, how many of you know that with the human nature comes the issues that the human nature brings? Right, your body gets older, you go through puberty. Right, these are problems. <laughs> Come on, y'all are going to have to preach back with me this morning. Um, Check this out. John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, So the Word, speaking of Jesus, became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So Jesus is the Son of the Father, but God. Colossians 2, 9, For Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So Jesus, fully God, fully human. Check this out. This is, this is one of the things. I love the incarnation. It's one of my favorite like doctrines. So you have Jesus who's eternal in nature, right? Before beginning, before time and space, there was Jesus, right? There was God. And then God says at, at a point in eternity, somehow how all that works out, God said, I'm going to put Jesus on the earth and I'm going to give him a body, Now, Jesus didn't have a physical body before. He was spirit, right? God is spirit. So Jesus, boom, born on the earth, has a body, right? Becomes like a man. Now, that's really like low form to God. It's like you becoming an ant, right? It's like, there's nothing great about an ant. I mean, they could lift a lot of weight, but that's really about it. But it's an ant, easily squashed, take care of that issue, right? And so... I mean, really, it was a huge downgrade. And it talks about this in Philippians, that in, in chapter 2, that he took on the nature, actually not just of a man, but took on the nature of a servant. I mean, this is a big deal. So God, in the flesh, we call this the incarnation, comes and lives, shows us, shows us what the human life is, 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 is capable of. See, when Jesus did miracles, he didn't do them as God, he did them as a man, filled with the Spirit of God. So you don't look, well, that's Jesus. You don't dismiss it like that. You say, no, he set the standard. We can lay hands on people and heal people. Why? Because the disciples did it. We saw them do it. They did the same thing Jesus did because they were possessed with the same spirit that Jesus did, the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus takes on this body, lives the earth. Then he dies, and then he's resurrected, and he takes on a different kind of body in the resurrection. It's called the resurrected body. So we know that this body's physical, right? He goes. He's, he's there before the disciples. He's like walking through walls and stuff. It's just crazy. He's like, it's, it's a little bit spooky, but he's still got skin. He can still eat, right? He has these holes in his hands that Thomas is like, until I put me. And he's like, well, come on. Come touch me. You can touch me. I'm physical. So now Jesus still has a body, a physical body. Jesus, there is still a man in heaven right now, a physical person, Jesus, in heaven. The scripture says this in Romans 8, that he's in heaven praying, interceding for us. There is a man representing mankind in heaven. He could have never done that if he never became a man. So the incarnation is incredibly value, valuable. Um, so he had no body, then a normal human body, and then post-resurrection he had this glorified body. And when Jesus returns, he's going to have that body. And listen, you're going to die, probably, unless the Lord returns before that. You're going to die, and then when you, there's, a, there's an event that's going to happen called the resurrection. Right? So the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection, but... But the Jews actually did believe in the resurrection. Gentiles believe in the resurrection. We're Gentiles, unless you're Jewish, Um, which is awesome. And so we all... (laughs) We're, we're, we're going to die, and you're going to have this old body that gets fat and zits and pimples, and you have to shave and stuff like that, which is unfortunate. I wonder if our glorified bodies will have beards. They should. And so uh, maybe mine will have a beard. That would be awesome. And so anyway, so what's going to happen? No, you don't want a beard for sure. And so what's going to happen is you're going to get a new body. It's not going to break down. Your back isn't going to hurt. You're not going to get headaches. You're not going to have sinus issues like you did this morning. You will get a glorified body. You'll get the same kind of body that Jesus has. Now, you won't be a god. Come on. (laughs) But you'll have a glorified body. Are you guys with me? So with that, understanding that Jesus was fully God and fully man, in his humanity, he had to yield because he took on the limitations of humanity. He had to yield to his Father's will. And do you know that we have to yield to our Father's will? We could have excuses. We could say, oh, man, you still don't understand. It's just the way I am. How many times have we said that? We say it most days when we make excuses for our weakness. We go, this is the way I am. This is the way I'm wired. This is the way I'm built. This is the way God made me. Jesus could have said that. This is the way you made me. (laughs) So I'm not going to go. I don't want to go to the cross. I'm not going to the cross. Right? But no, he had to yield to the Father's will. Number three, the reason why Jesus prayed is Jesus prayed to connect. To connect with his Father. See, Jesus is super relational. He's not like, you know, that's why we see the stories of Jesus and happy Jesus, like in the kids' books, you know, and he's smiling, you know, the laughing Jesus. And then he's got, like, kids around him, and he's got, like, people around him, and he likes to debate, and he likes to do all these things. Why? Why does he do all these things? Because he's super relational. And how many you know that he's still, even in heaven, he's still super relational? So Jesus prayed because he wanted to hang out with his father. And so that's why he went and prayed, because he loves his father. And that's the same way that we need to be. We need to be that our heart's like, oh, God, I just want to connect with you today. Not because it's my cosmic obligation as a believer that I need to go and pray. I'm disciplined. No, you get to be with your father. You get to connect with God. And this is the life that Jesus lived. And it says this in Luke chapter 5, verse 15. It says the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him to be healed of their sickness. And then it says this, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now, how many you know those lonely places weren't lonely places anymore when Jesus showed up? Come on, because everywhere Jesus shows up, he brings a party with them. Come on, but he snuck off. Here's Jesus, right? His ministry is succeeding, right? He's thriving. He's doing everything he's supposed to do. I mean, he's like on the cover of the Rolling Stones, Well, not yet, but later he would be. Rolling stones. Okay. Anyway, after the resurrection. (laughs) Preacher joke. All right. Wow. Okay. So here's Jesus, right? Huh? Yeah, I'll be here all night. Where were you at, man? I got to have a little thing to make it good. Uh, Okay. So Jesus is having all the success, all the things that, that he would pray for. Lord, I want to do your will. He's doing it. He's seeing it happen. He's seeing the promise unfold. He's seeing all these incredible things happen. His ministry was thriving. He was on the preaching circuit. Everybody wanted Jesus to come to their town. I mean, he if it was today, he would have the dopest website and the most legit Instagram account. He probably wouldn't have a great Twitter account because he doesn't have very many true followers. Oh, pfft. But his Facebook would be popular because many people just like him. Anyway, I don't know where we're going with that, but we need to stop right now. Okay, so, that's bad. It was terrible. Pastor Chokes. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Brooke. All right. So listen, so we see this. He's, what is our tendency when we get successful? Our tendency is to step off the gas. Oh, man, I'm in such a good place. Yes, God. My life is so good. My hopes and dreams. I've been praying for this, and now it happens, so I kind of quit praying. And so we we make many times the point of prayer to have an end. But prayer, prayer is not a means to an end. Prayer is the end. Why? Because prayer is a connection point. It's a place where we go to connect with God. We don't pray for something. We pray to someone. We pray with him. We pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. We hang out with God. We have this incredible connection. So the point of prayer is connection. Petition is secondary. Petition is secondary. So we're like, you, and I see so many people, their, their prayer life is driven by emergency, by need, by fear. All these things kind of drive our prayer life. Oh, you need to pray for me. I'm going through this. How many you know that you always need people praying for you? Whether you're going through something or not. But for some reason, whenever we're going through stuff, our prayer life gets really good. And then when everything's good, our prayer life sucks. And go, God's saying, what's it going to take for you to hang out with me? So some people, they don't have a good prayer life and they wonder why their life's a mess all the time. I'm not saying God brings those things necessarily, but maybe he does. Maybe. So the point of prayer is connection. And Jesus is, again, super relational. So he wanted to connect with his father. So Jesus prayed to connect. Number four, and this is really where we're going to be focusing this series on, to reveal his heart for us. How many know that when you pray, it reveals your values? Doesn't it? I mean, think about it with the thing that you pray the most for, even if it's just a micro prayer, right? Think about that thing that you pray the most for. Why do you pray so much for that? Because it's what you value the most. Isn't it interesting? It reveals our value system. And that's what we're going to talk about this series. We're going to spend several weeks digging into some of the prayers of Jesus and saying, Jesus, what is your heart? What is the heart of Jesus? It's revealed in his prayers. It shows what he wants, right? What we want, we pray for. What we desire, we pray for. What we value, we pray for. I pray for my family every day. Why? Because I value them. When when someone, when I found out, we found out some really bad news about people that have have had miscarriages this past week and and we pray really hard for them. Why? Because it's a value for us at that time. Come on, are you with me? And so it reveals our values. But again, the point is always connection. The point is always connection connection. So we're going to look at this prayer of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. Now let me give you a little bit of background. You all okay with background? All right, check it out. So there's several cities. Now G- again, we talked about this Jesus is going around the preaching circuit. He's preaching in all these cities. He's doing signs, miracles and wonders in all these cities, but they're not repenting. And by repenting, we mean they're not turning to Jesus. They're not following Jesus. They're just kind of like listening and watching the miracles, and Jesus is like, you, don't, you want the miracles, but you don't want the man, right? Are you with me? How many times have we done that? We want the miracle. We want the answer to prayer, but we don't want the man, right? And so Jesus is going. This isn't a new problem. Jesus is going. He's preaching these cities, and people are showing up to the meeting. I mean, they're showing up. They're like, yeah, whoa, look, that guy got healed, and all this kind of stuff, but they're not getting saved, Their lives aren't being transformed. They're not following Jesus like some other people were. They just wanted to spectate. They wanted entertainment. So they went and they watched these things. So Jesus sends out the 72... The 72 disciples. He sends them out. He's like, go do all the stuff I've been doing. Lay hands on the sick. Drive out demons. Do all the stuff you've been watching me do. You go go out and do it now. You can do it. So they come back to Jesus, and they're like, we're doing it, but like, it's not, like, things aren't really happening. Like, people aren't following you. And so Jesus goes into this list of woes. Now, not like, like, whoa, like, whoa, like, it's good. It's like, whoa, like, whoa. Right? He's like, whoa. And he starts calling out these cities by name, and you guys can read it in Matthew chapter 11. And he starts rebuking these cities because they wanted the miracles but they didn't want the man and he goes into rebuke mode now you know we like to say would jesus do that and i i saw saw a meme the other day on, on facebook and it said what would jesus do remind remind them that tipping over tables is not out of the question and so don't think that Jesus is just meek and mild all the time and he's super just nice guy and willing to be ran over. That is not who my king is. He rules with justice. Come on, he is a powerful man. There's a fire in his eyes. He's alive. He's, you know, he loves his bride. Come on, with passion. He, he's not emotionless and he's not careless about things. And so he's this. He, 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 he was frustrated and he's going on this rant, like he's, you know, if he's on Facebook, he would be ranting. And, um, and he goes, again, he goes into this, and then he shifts. He shifts to prayer mode. How many times have we done that, right? We're like, if it would just get better, if people would just get safe, if they would just come to, if they, I got the answers, if they would just come to the answers, then everything would be okay. So he goes into that, and then it says this at this time, Matthew eleven twenty five. 25, he prayed this prayer. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves clever, wise and clever. So he's saying the the issue is not really the miracle thing. The issue is their pride. Thank you for hiding the things from those who are wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. If you have a Bible, underline that word childlike. Revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father! It pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No man truly knows the Son except the Father. And no one truly knows the Father except the Son. And those whom the Son chooses to reveal. Very important. And those the Son chooses to reveal. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy loads, and I will give you rest. And take my yoke upon you, and let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden, and the burden I give, and for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So Jesus goes to rant mode into prayer mode. Come on, how many know there's wisdom in that? (laughs) You get a lot more done by praying than you do by ranting. And so Jesus, here he is. What is he saying? What is he saying here? We're going to talk about three things from the heart of Jesus through this passage. Number one is his heart, his intention, his intimacy. Notice how he starts off. He says this, yes, Father, it pleased you to do this. It pleased you to do this. I I love the way that Luke says it. In Luke chapter 10, it gives the similar account. This is kind of an echo of the Luke account. And how uh, I many? Uh, Sometimes the, the, the different gospels are different outlooks on what they saw from their perspective of the story. And it says this in the Luke account: it says that Jesus was filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. So here's Jesus, and he's like frustrated. And then it says he prays with joy in the Holy Spirit. He's like, "Hey, Father!" So now he's like frustrated, and now he's like fired up, like happy, like, "Oh yes, I thank you, Lord." That you're revealing yourself to those that are childlike. Those that are childlike. So his intention in, in, in his prayer, his desires for us, and what we see is intimacy. Did you know, and this is going to blow some of your mind, did you know that God the Father, our Heavenly Father, loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Well, that'll make your problems real small. Your heavenly Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus. It says this, John chapter 17:23. You love them as much as you love me. Can I tell you, your heavenly Father Loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Perfect Jesus. Perfect son. Perfect king. Perfect accomplishment. He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. It's not based upon your performance. It's not based upon how good of a person you've been this week. It's not not based upon how talented you are and how gifted you are. And I know you are those things. But it's not rooted in that. He loves you. We are supposed to know the Father. When God sent Jesus, He sent a pattern so that you could know the Father like Jesus knows the Father. Jesus prayed this. Jesus prayed this. I pray that they would know you even as I know you. Would you reveal them, the heart of the Father, like I know the heart of the Father. Jesus and the Father were one because Jesus and the Father got together on it. They came together. So his intention is intimacy. He wants you. And I know many times we say that. We say, God, we, we know that you love us. God loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. God loves me. And we're just kinda, we kind of weigh that. Can I tell you today that God actually likes you? And greater than that, for some of you that feel unwanted and undesirable and unlovable, he wants you. He actually wants you. He doesn't do, he's not just like, oh, I'm God, I have to love him. I mean, I said it in my word, I loved him, so I guess I'll make sure and love him today. No, his intention, this is the reason why he sent Jesus, is to show you his love. is to reveal your love and so you could love him back. He wants that. His intention is intimacy. It's just God's intention. He wants you. What were you built for? To know God. That's the end of it? Awesome. That is, I mean, think about, think of all the earthly accomplishments. You know, I can own a multi-billion dollar business. That would be great. Would you please stay at our church and tithe? Right? I mean, you, the list goes on of accomplishments. Can I tell you the greatest accomplishment, and this is what Paul said, He said, man, I've done a lot, Ephesians 3. He said, I've done a lot, but this one thing. I press on. I just want one thing in my life, to know him. I just want this. I just want to know God. The most important thing is intimacy. And Jesus initiated that in our lives. Number two, his institution is identity. His institution is identity. See, sometimes we think of God as kind of like, Cosmic killjoy, right? Or like, um, kind of like dictator God, like ruler, like, oh. Did you know that God's desire is not that you see him that way at all? God, the father's desire is that you would see him strictly as a father. Um, and that's why, that's why it says in the scripture that we just read, that he says the children, the childlike. Let's look at it again. You've hid it from those that are wise and clever but revealed it to those that are childlike why do we have to be childlike to accept the kingdom because when you come into the kingdom you're a child you're a kid you don't have a position you don't have a you don't have a a couple of initials before your name you're a kid it's a level playing field I'm a child of God. So when we sing songs like this, that's why so much faith can rise up in us. That's why we feel strong when we're going, I am a child of God. That's the reason why when you're singing that, something's coming up in you because you're like, yes, I am. All of a sudden, my issues aren't that bad anymore. All of a sudden, my struggles seem small. Why? Because I've got a good daddy. I've got a good, good daddy. God's institution is identity. Identity. He treats us like his kids. He don't treat us like recruits. He don't treat us like rookies. He don't treat us like slaves. He don't treat us like laborers. We're his kids. That's how the father treats us. We're his kids. Do I discipline my kids? I do discipline my kids. Am I mean to my kids? I'm not mean to my kids. Well, I'm an imperfect father, but God's a perfect father. My intention isn't to be mean to my kids. (laughs) Let's just clear that up. I have to apologize when I mean to my kids. Because that happens. Bunches. Last night. Okay. (laughs) Can I tell you today, you are a son. Before you do anything. Did you know that when Jesus came out of the water after he was baptized, the first the first thing that that the father says to him in his in his ministry, he says this, he says, You are my beloved son. I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. Before Jesus ever did a miracle. Listen, God finds pleasure in you because you're his, not because of your greatness. Because all the people that they thought were great right right here in the scripture, they didn't get in. But those that came to him like a kid and said, I just want a daddy. He said, all right, I'll reveal myself to you and I reveal the father's heart. Listen, you are a son, you're a daughter. This is your reference point. Everything in your life. Everything in your life. Your finances, your marriage, your struggles, your successes, your frustrations, your fears, your wins, your loses. Whatever it is, your reference point is, I am a child of God. So when you don't have the money in the bank, I am a child of God. When the doctor comes back with a negative report, I am a child of God. When you're sucking at raising your kids... I am a child of God, and I have the best father. Everything comes from that reference point. Everything in our life. If we could just see, I'm a child of God. God's got it. Not 54 steps. Just this one step. This is his institution. You're a kid. You're mine. I'll take you. I don't know, I won't, I won't just take you like, well, I guess, you know, like number 10 on the list. You know, I remember when I was a kid, and I used to go play like kickball at school, you know, little chubby Josh Brown, little daddy. And back back then, I was like this little kid, you know, and I wasn't very good at sports and stuff like that, and everybody knew it. And uh, yeah, the healing begin. And so here I am, like, they're, and they're picking the team, right? And I remember getting picked last. So that's like the worst thing ever because you feel unwanted. How many of you have ever been picked last for Now, where's these suckers that have been picked first? You're the ones. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I was just lying about all that. So, anyway, so. It's not like that. It's not like you're the leftover and God's like, oh, I'll take it. I mean, He adopted you, He walks into the adoption center of the earth and says, I want you. (laughs) In fact, I want you so much to be my child that I'll give up the life of my child to have you. What? (laughs) You. So pack that with your insecurities. It's your reference point for everything. Everything in your life. I'm a child. Well, how do you have such great faith? I don't really look at that at it that way. I'm just I'm a child. How did you make it through that? I'm a child of God. How are you succeeding? I'm a child of God. How are you making it through the failures? I'm a child of God. Because everything, successes, failures, difficulties, triumphs, everything. You're a child of God. It's your identity, and it's His institution. It's the way He trains you, like a kid. There's discipline involved, but we got a good daddy. But guess the one thing you never lack? Provision, comfort, come on, the promises of God. Whew, it's good. I'm excited that I get to be his. Check this out, John 1.10. We've read a little bit from John today, first, or John chapter 1. He came to the very world he created. But the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and they rejected him. But all who believed and accepted him, all who believed him, not the cities that had it all together, all those that believed in him, they said, yeah, I believe you. I believe what you said. He gave them the right to become children of God. The Greek word is exousia, governmental authority. It's like you walk into a courtroom. My, I, I have a some... Uh, nieces and nephews that are adopted. And did you know that the, that, that legal document actually gives them more right over the, the ch- their children when they walked in and they got those, those papers signed? Did you know that they have more right over, over those kids that were adopted than even their own children that are born? Because there's actually a document now that says, this is your child. It's not just like, oh yeah, they were born, here's the birth certificate. It's like legally binding Can I tell you today that you are legally bound a child of God? Legally bound. He gave them the right, the exousia, the authority to become kids of God. So we can approach God the Father with the same confidence that Jesus had because positionally, we have the same connection with the Father. We can approach God with the same confidence Jesus had because positionally, we have the same connection with the Father. The approach to him. What, how did Jesus tell us to pray? Our Father. Hey, Dad. Our Father. Number three, his invitation is rest. His intention is intimacy, his institution is identity, and his invitation is rest. See, we don't experience Jesus by carrying our own weight. That just shows how great you are. Are you with me? We experience Jesus by allowing Him to carry our weight. How I many you know He carries weight better than you do? Right? It's like when you have that look on your face and they're like, You doing all right today? You feeling okay? You guys ever get that? I'm like, what about what does that mean? Like, <laughs> I look ugly today? You guys know what I'm talking about? People are, like, are you feeling alright? That's that weight you carry. That you were never meant to carry. You thought you could carry it. Can I tell you today you're not that strong? You can't you can't carry the weight. You can't carry the weight of your sin. You can't handle it. You're not that disciplined. You're not that disciplined. I know you're disciplined. I know you're strong, but you ain't that strong. See, the law came to impose religion. That's what the law came for. It came to impose a standard, a heavy standard, and they had all these religious people that were walking around and they were going, You got to do this. Here. You want to know God? Here, you want to be accepted in society? Here, do this, do this, do this. List and formulas. And Jesus says, My yoke is easy, my burden's light. It's the heavy load. He's like, Yeah, I came to carry it. I came to carry all of it. You just say yes to me. Those who believe in me are my kids, I carry their load. The other morning, I I uh, was for community group on Wednesday. I got home and I had picked up some groceries. and mean, Lisa walks back to the to the back of my car and I have the hatch open and I'm getting groceries out. And she goes, "I'll help you, Daddy." And I tried to give her, you know, what I thought she could handle, and she couldn't handle it. I said, "I'll carry it, baby. I'll make her carry those loads. I'm the daddy." my responsibility in 2010 Leslie and I were going through a real difficult season and uh, we had a lot of loads man and uh, this song there was some friends of mine that uh, wrote this song and uh, I got in my car and I was working not shifts at Super Target, and uh, it was real humbling, you know. Not that that's a bad job, but you know, when you've been a youth pastor at a church for eleven years, and the next thing you know, you're working at Super Target trying to pastor people that, you know, are zombies. it's is a little bit weird. I <laughs> used to tell Leslie I was going to sleigh dragons, you know, because it was just weird uh, working not shifts. And and I remember one 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 morning I walked out, and I got in my car and I, and I started playing this song. And the, the lyrics of the song <sighs> said this. It says, just settle down. Just settle down. The storm will last forever. And it, then it says, you're not that strong. Remember that song? is just sitting there in the parking lot of Target just weeping going God I'm not that strong I can't carry the load I I feel the responsibility of my family and our finances and it was just at that moment I was just like God I can't carry this anymore and he said you're not meant to carry it you're not that strong listen I know you're solid today I know I know you're solid, I know you're strong, but you ain't that strong. So why don't you just let Jesus carry your burdens? I'm going to read this scripture, we're going to pray, whatever your burdens are. Listen, Matthew chapter 11. This is, he, so he prays, he's praying to God, all this stuff that we've been talking about, and then he looks to his disciples and he says this. It's kind of almost like he was praying to his disciples, and he was, because he was asking them to do something. He's praying to the Father. Lord, it's your pleasure. You love them. They're going to know you like I know you. And then he goes, come to me. Come to me. All you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and let me teach you because I am humble, and I am gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light.